Don't you sleep nights? Like a baby. Strange. I'd have bet a brace of Gutenberg Bibles you spent half the night with your eyes peeled. You're one of those lean, hungry, restless types that put the wind up Julius Caesar. Men who stab their friends in the back. Not I suspect that you have many friends, do you, Mr. Corso? Your kind seldom does. That makes two of us. There's a home in Indiana Where once was shared great joy When parents loved and worshipped Their curly-headed boy Was very soon decided To take his father's name And follow in his footsteps They wished on him great fame he soon grew into manhood and started out to roam. And much against his parents, he left his friends and home. He journeyed through the city, to him fate did resign. It soon led to his downfall, he committed his first crime. The law was soon upon him, he landed up in jail. His friends could not get pardoned, nor could they go his bail. One night he broke for freedom by using a wooden gun. His guard was easily buffaloed, his clever trick had won. And then began the manhunt, the greatest ever known. With plots and plans to trap him, with brains and skill were shown. His draw was fast as lightning, reward stood on his head. Go bring in this great criminal, whether he be alive or dead. It happened in Chicago, that's noted for its fame. The home of noted gangsters, where many a man is slain. He was taking in a picture, when a woman tipped the law. Three bullets pierced his body, yet not a chance to draw. The great manhunt is ended, the innocent must pay. When they have to stop the bullet, the chance to go astray. So young men take my warning, this crime it does not pay. And think of Johnny Dillinger when he met his fatal day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good people. Uh, we are back for episode 62 of Dude in a Monkey podcast. Uh, I am your co-host, Mark Foster, and as ever, I'm joined by... Ian Loring, I'm hope Moyes is sacked by the time we finish recording. It, 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 if it doesn't happen now, uh, it's going to happen later on this week by all accounts. Um, we have... Uh, we have a, a, a very good show ahead of us. Uh, we've had a you know a couple past few shows. I think have been 
pretty, pretty good. So this week we have The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, we have the start of a new marathon, which have we decided what it's called yet, Ian? Um, no, I don't think we have. Miliosathon. Currently it's called Miliosathon. We'll try and think of something better before we'll the end. We'll think of something better. <laughs> yeah, uh, with um, his 1973 debut uh, feature film, Dillinger. Uh, we also have some 101 news. We're going to chat some trailers and answer some questions on this fabulous bank holiday weekend. Have you had a good bank holiday weekend, Ian? Solid as fuck. Solid nice. as fuck. Yeah, man. Um, weather's been all right. Lottie's been um, very, very good value with um, all the people she's been seeing this weekend. It has been solid. Yourself? Yeah, it's been great. Um, it's been nice. I haven't been outside at all. I've spent the majority of my time in watching films and playing FIFA. It's been very good. <laughs> yeah, I somehow I managed to watch three films on Saturday, and I'm not entirely sure how that happened. Because um, uh, I don't know. I mean, like Friday, some friends of ours came to Cardiff for the day, and then Sunday we uh, yesterday we went to see my dad, and today we had a roast with my in-laws. So um, how, somehow Saturday I managed to get three films in. So uh, good shit. Good, good, good. Um, anything to add before we dive into trailers, Ian? Um, no, I mean, I'll just say, you know, I'm assuming everybody who listens to this probably listens to Heroes as well. Um, just to say um, what George said on the intro to the, uh, the last episode of Heroes, which was the last episode of Heroes, um, 35 minute Heroes, that is. Um, I've got nothing to add to what George had to say on that, to be honest. He... Um, we, we kind of thought doing a farewell episode would have been a bit masturbatory and the episode that we ended on I thought was actually quite a strong one so that felt like a good statement in itself um, but uh, yeah it, it is what it is um, if everybody wanted to carry on I would have carried on but with not everybody wanting to carry on you know I was fine with also leaving it I will say you know so um there there was no there was genuinely no like ill feeling or anything like that it was just come a time when the three of us would just need like having different things in our lives and whatnot and I don't know in the end of the day I was already doing two podcasts so going down to one is personally if I'm honest beneficial so uh it's and I will just say dude and a monkey is not going fucking anywhere no. um we, we, Mark and I have never even discussed the subject at all. So, and it's it's not going anywhere. You know, one podcast a week I can handle. Yeah, so, no, you we're, know, we're... there might there might be occasional weeks we miss for whatever reasons, but you know, we can deal with this no problem. Yeah, no. Uh, and I, I I did want to want to actually add uh, what's going on anyway. Uh, it was an absolute delight to uh, to guest on Thirty Five Millimeter Heroes uh, a number of times. Uh, I also thoroughly enjoyed the podcast. I started listening properly uh, at episode four, I think it was. Um, but I used to work in essentially in, in um, a, a job where I was in, in charge of a stockroom uh, where I worked on my own predominantly in a dark cage. And I do actually mean in an actual cage. It was a cage. Um it was three cages that I had to alternate between, uh, and essentially my job was to strip down uh, packs of clothes and then sort them out into bits. So I essentially spent every, you know, sort of, I could spend three months where I would go into work at nine, and from nine o'clock till six, I would be on my own in a dark room just doing that. So I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, 
and that was how I, I, I ended up on 35 Minute Heroes, which is the searching through podcast. Uh, and then now, obviously, I do the podcast for yourself and, you know, count yourself, and John and Noel are three of my best friends. So it was... It, it, it was it was it was a shot to the system knowing it wasn't going to happen, but you know we've got this, and I'm sure sh- no, it's been on a, once before, and he'll be on numerous other times, and I'm sure Jordan will be on at some point soon. Yeah, I mean it, it's um, if it, 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 there there had been ever so slight rumblings previously, um, but we did try and keep it going, you know, uh, but it just. I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's not that I'm not saying anything because there's, you know, there's there's something secret or anything like that. Yeah, there, there's there's not at all. And I'm sure Jordan Noel wouldn't mind me um talking about uh, talking about this on here. I mean, there's absolutely zero fucking bad blood whatsoever. Mm. You know, I mean, like, like Noel's good. I'm sure Noel will be on this podcast. Jordan will be on this podcast. I write for the Verite uh, website. You know, so you know, there's nothing wrong there. It just you know, three guys, two of whom now have kids, trying to organise schedules to get together, uh, you know, and, and see stuff. And it, it just, it was a bit too much. Whereas with, with this, you know, what do I have to see? I have, you know, one new release a week, a marathon film and a one old and a one new. That's four films a week that I have to do. I don't have to potentially add another one now. So, you know, and it's also more time I can spend with Lottie and Donna frankly you know so that's that's all good but um thank you for the kind words mark and like genuinely we we are not going fucking anywhere if anything as i said on the our twitter feed the weeks that i'm doing the recording and the editing the show will probably be up far more promptly (laughs) so you know that that that's all it really means for this show cool right uh well again uh thank you very much for the uh hours of free um podcasting uh that 35 millimeter heroes gave me uh ian what what trailers have you been watching this week? Okie dokie. So, um, what have we got then? So the um, the first teaser of Gone Girl um, hit, um, which <laughs> looked like a kind of a more airport novel social network teaser or mm. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo teaser. Um, it. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a reason why Fincher went to the material, um, but it feels, it's weird, like, Fincher had always said that Social Network, he didn't consider it to be one of his For Me films, um, which, which is bizarre, to be honest, but this doesn't feel like a For Me film, and I mean, I think you could even say maybe, like, the, the cinematography of it, like, I it is a little too kind of reminiscent of what he's done before. He's got a very patented digital look has Fincher now. Yeah. And I think with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, he was able to hide it because it was like snowy and wintry and he was using, you know, a, a lot of kind of like whites and greys. Whereas this seems to be going into the kind of the, the slightly puke yellow tinge that the social network had to it at times. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I, you know, it's Fincher. I'm obviously going to watch it. Um, the teaser didn't necessarily grab me. I do like the poster. I, I, I like I like the poster. Um, but I'll be. I mean, I, I absolutely trust it. It, it. It's Fincher, uh, and he's he's Fincher. He's, he's great. But um, the thing that kind of stood out for me is when you go from 
quite how magnificent the trailer was for uh, Social Network, which I still stand as saying is one of the best trailers of all time. You see, uh, I'd say that for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo teaser myself. And also, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was so strong. Uh, if, if that hadn't have been a Fincher film, and I hadn't have known before I'm going into the Fincher film, and I just knew it as being, you know, a Ben Affleck film, I'd have been going, oh, Ben... Oh, you were you were so close. What are you doing? Because it's a really bad trailer, and the the, oh, yeah. the, the choice sure. of it, it, I, I I have absolute faith that the film's going to be you know great, and I'm still looking forward to the film. But as a trailer, I think it's awful. The the, the choice of song just it makes it it makes it feel a little bit ITV dramery. Oh yeah. That's a fair comment. Yeah, it's, yeah the choice of the stuff, that's very good. And it, it's, it, I, like I say, if it wasn't finished yet, I'd be saying, that looks fucking awful. But I'm watching it going, that's a bad trailer. It's a bad first trailer. The second trailer, might, we might be sat, you know, in a, like a month's time going, oh my fucking God. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, I mean, like I say, I really like the poster. I think the poster is quite it, it yeah. is evocative, and you know, it, it, it. I don't know what that the, the the you don't know what you've got till it's you know what I'm assuming that's kind of in relation to the song maybe, but yeah. with, with that image, I, you know, I've, obviously I haven't read the book. Donna's read the book. She wasn't fussed on it at all. Um, so it's the only one of his I've not read. Uh, who's? Thanks uh, for books. It's not Dennis Lane, but... Uh, who was it again? Oh, it's, not, it's, I it's, it's a lady, Gillian Flynn, maybe? Spare me two seconds, yeah. I, I've got her confused. I've got these these two authors confused so many times. I think I got confused when I was talking to Becky about it the other day, and I keep on doing it. Gillian Flynn, that's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I, I, it's... Yeah, I Shadow Holmes, Dark Places, that was it. Yes, I've read, I've read both of those, and I, I, they were all right. I, I, I will be seeing this in the cinema. I oh, yeah. will be because it's Fincher. Um, but this teaser doesn't make me want to see it. Mm. But you know, hey, it's I I don't know it, whatever. But I mean, you know, you know what? If Fincher makes a seven out of ten film, um, I'm not going to be crying. It is it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um. So uh, uh, let's move on anyway. So X Men: Days of Future Past. Um, I'll just say the clip at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2, I thought that clip was balls. If that's the best individual sequence that they can show at this point of time in this film, oh dear. Um, but the trailer, this trailer I thought was wicked. Um, it, it sets it up as epic as fuck. Yeah. And um, I'm very, very interested. So there we go. Yeah, I'll admit I saw the same trailer in the... Um... The, the Amazing Spider-Man um, screening, um, and I got that, you know, that 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 chills you kind of get, where all your hair's done, and I was a bit like that, and thought, do you know what? Yeah, it looks epic. Um, I do think it's a little bit strange. We'll come to it later on about the Amazing Spider-Man, the, the, the trailer tagged onto the credits of that. So, so the clip at the end in the credits from Amazing Spider-Man Two. What did you think of that? Uh, I. I it, it, I think in I hope in context it'll make more sense. Um, but does that do, that essentially is a trailer, a, a, a little teaser at the end of a film? 
it's weird. I, I think it's, it was a little bit. I felt a little bit like you've kind of you, you essentially you've shoehorned a, a, a teaser trailer into you know the credits credits of a film because you know that people will stay around for those mid credits bits. Oh no, yeah. I mean, the amount of eyeballs that would have seen this and will see it, see it when it, when Amazing Spider-Man Two comes out in the US is, is, is I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. It's just I that little clip I don't think sold the film particularly well. I mean, no. it also doesn't help that you're coming into it really cold. Yeah, it's just like right. So what's going on here? And right, okay. And even though you know, even though people like us know there's an X-Man clip coming. It's just like you get into it. It's like, okay, what, like you say, what is the context here? What is actually, what is actually happening here? It, it just like, it starts as if it's like in the middle of the fucking scene. Yeah. And then it ends really abruptly as well. Yeah. It, just it, like Jennifer Lawrence, like walking towards the screen and it's like, boom, you're done. It, it, it does. You, let you say, I hope in context um, that will, that scene will play better in the film. And I would think it will. I also think it'll happen very early in the film. Oh, totally. Yeah, that yeah, wouldn't surprise yeah, me but... if that's pretty much the opening scene of the film. Mm. No, absolutely. But I mean, the, the the new trailer is, you know, it has. I'm 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 in. Oh, know, yeah. I was in anyway, but I'm, I'm I am really looking forward to it now. Yeah, me too. Uh, cool. So, um, all right, third person, new film by Paul Haggis. What, whatever. Um, I'll probably watch it on Netflix. Um, Cold in July, Jim Mickle's new film. He is certainly pumping them out. Um, Intrigued, um, you know. I, I imagine this will be like a VOD kind of offering, but yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they're going with that. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> I mean, sorry, there you go. Uh, the rover um, looks really interesting. It kind of looks like a kind of an art house Mad Max or something, you know. <laughs> and that's, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll watch that. David Michaud, I think, is very interesting. And uh, yeah, why not? And uh, Jersey Boys, which. I, I can I can kind of see being one of the big bombs of the summer, to be honest. I could see it. I, I could see it going either way. I could see it either making a an absolute boatload, um, or or like you say, sinking like a stone. Um, it looks a little bit like Eastwood went to went to see Jersey Boys and went, I like that. It was good that. Got home, flicked on the TV. And there was like a Scorsese marathon, and he just went, "Oh, I've got an idea." Yeah, and yeah, then went yeah, out and yeah, made a movie. Sure. Um, it it could be fucking awful. It could be fucking brilliant. It I really really don't know what to think of it. I'm going personally. I'm going the awful direction at this point in time. But yeah, who knows? yeah. yeah. Um, I, other couple uh, I'll add to that. Um, the. Walk of Shame Red Band uh, trailer. Um, Who's in that? Who's the Elizabeth the... Banks? That's it. Okay. Uh, looks. It, it, it looks shit to be honest. Um, it's one of those where I'll probably watch it on Netflix at some point or on VOD at some point. Uh, the Immigrant um, looks very interesting, but looks like one of those films where it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking. It's going to be a tough watch. It looks like. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll watch it. I'll definitely I, watch it, it. it. The lukewarm reactions to it yeah. so far really don't have me sold. I, I'll watch it, but um, it's one of those where I can't say I'm chomping at the bit to watch it because it feels like a little bit like you're going, 
all right, do you want to watch Two and a Bit Hours of Misery? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, fucking do I? Do I? It's in sepia. Oh, you, you just, you're not selling it to me at all. Uh, so, yeah, so a little bit like that on that. Um, Captive, the new Atam Agoyan uh, movie. Um, a director who always scuppered me in, um, and I end up going and going, that looks quite good, that. Going and finishing it and going, well, that, that opened a lot of doors that it couldn't be asked to go into. Um, so I, I know I'll watch it. Um, and the, the one that impressed me the most this week uh, was the Maps to the Stars trailer. Uh, the new... oh, oh shit! Yeah, of course. So did I. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, the, the new Cronenberg. Um, Cronenberg. We brought Pattinson uh, teaming back up with him. Um, I think it it looks uh, it looks fucking great. It looks really really good. I, I, I really enjoyed sleazy it sleazy Hollywood yeah. kind of films, man. Yeah, yeah. I I could and it looks like Cronenberg having fun. Yes, it does. It it looks like it could be. A bit of a comedy, a really kind of deep black comedy, uh, which pokes a lot of fun at a lot of people. And you're going to be watching it going, all right, who's she supposed to be then? There's going to be a lot of those moments in sure. that. Uh, other than that, uh, that, that's really it. There's nothing else of, of, of notes, really. Okay. Come right. On. Sorry, you're, you're doing the show this week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Right, um, so that was the uh, trailers, uh, and we're going to play a trailer now uh, from The Amazing Spider-Man, if we can find one. Do you know if any trailers went out The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Um, I think I saw one. Did you? I was, I was up late the other night, and I think it was on Channel 5 about quarter past two in the morning. All right, well, well, I'll, I'll, look, I'll try and find a trailer uh, to play uh, if I can find one, because... Um, you know, not not many people seem to have seen any of it. Uh, it's been kind of kept under wraps. Uh, yeah. This small kind of release. Um, it's weird, you know, a film that's over two hundred million dollar yeah. budget and they're not advertising the fuck out of it. it, 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 it you have to. It is a yeah. bit fucking weird, isn't it? Right. So if we've got one and I can find one, here, here it will be a trailer for the Amazing Spider-Man two, uh, and then we'll 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 get into it. Every day, I wake up knowing that the more people I try to save, the more enemies I will make. And it's just a matter of time before I face those with more power than I can overcome. I'm so sorry, I'm late. I had a traffic thing. Did your traffic jam have anything to do with being, I don't know, shot at by machine guns? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was implied. That was implying that. Agent <laughs> Park. Harry Osborne. You're gonna wanna see this. Oscorp. Get you under surveillance. Why? Isn't that the question of the day? There's something you're not telling me yet, May. I once told you that secrets have a cost. The truth does too. My name is Richard Parker. I have discovered what Oscorp was going to use my research for. I have a responsibility to protect the world from what I know they're capable of. What is all this? The future. We literally can change the world. 
What about Peter? Not everyone has a happy ending. This is bigger than you, Peter. I made a choice. This is my path. So, everyone in the city will know how it feels to live in a world. You're the, you're the Jose Mourinho of this show. <laughs> oh, that fucking stings. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, there you heard a trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, the um, sequel to The Amazing Spider-Man, funnily enough, uh, which was released a couple of years ago. Um, a lot of people were really pissed off at the fact that it actually came out, um, and a lot of people hated it, and I actually really enjoyed it. I think you actually you enjoyed it, but not quite as much as me, didn't you, Ian? I think it's a solid enough superhero film. Yeah, the um, first one. It's it's not like high end, but it's nowhere near low end. You know. Yeah, certainly. Um, we see um, Spidey come back. Um, this time Andrew Garfield again. Uh, you still got Gwen Stacy played by Emma Stone, but you've got bad guy uh, Electro played by Jimmy Fox. You've got Game DeHaan turns up. Uh, Paul Giamatti turns up, which I completely forgot he was even in it. Uh, and Ian, what do you think of the Amazing Spider-Man two? Comes out in the US in two weeks. Full spoilers. Yes. Full spoilers. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, yeah, okay. Um, so I was intrigued going in because uh, reaction to it, like press reactions have been like super, super, super mixed. Um, some people were really high on it. I mean, it got four stars in The Guardian, for Christ's sake. Um, uh, and I think from Peter Bradshaw and Zan Brooks, so that was interesting. Mm. Um, and then uh, it's you know, but it's got like one and two star reactions elsewhere as well. I came into it, you know, as we just said, I liked Amazing Spider-Man. I rewatched it last week, and I, I, you know, narratively, I think the film's rather wonky because they just edited chunks out of it and basically left threads dangling. Um, which, which is, I think there's less of that in this one for sure. I think they're more sure of the story they're trying to tell. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'll, I'll say that. I'll, I'll say that first off. It certainly has its problems. Uh, Defo, um, the key one for me really being that the untold story aspect that we were promised in the first film. There's more of that here, but it's really not that interesting, and it's almost an afterthought. Um, but um, I think Garfield and Stone are fantastic together. The chemistry, it just... And it's not like, oh, you just want to see them. Fuck. It's not like that kind of chemistry. It's just you want to see these two, this this cute couple be cute together. Yeah. Um, and that, that, I mean, that's that's key, really. Um, I like... I like the visuals of the film. I like how kind of bright and kind, of, you know, kind of primary colours it is in moments. Um... I'm just going to say this, we can elaborate later. I liked the dubstep. 
um, and, you know, um, which is, is proving controversial. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, I just, like I say, it's got its problems, but I had a, I had a decent time with it. You know, I, I thought it was good and I would happily watch it again. And frankly, I'm, I like the world building as corporate and as um, uh, homogenized as the kind of the marketing and all the plans for these films are. I'm intrigued to see what kind of ideas that they can bring to the table. So uh, yeah, liked it, but obviously we'll get into it. Mark, I'm really intrigued to see what you think of this. Yeah, well, like you say, I, I, was, a, I, I was a huge fan of the first one. Um, I went into it uh, expecting very, very little uh, and came out of it um, with, to be honest, it, it, it was it was one of my top twenty films uh, of the year. Um, I really, really did enjoy it, um, and uh, I was I went into this uh, because I'd enjoyed the other one. Um, you know, without that lowered expectation, everyone else seemed to go in with, with the you know, oh well, if you set your expectations low, you know, you'll really like it. And I was going in really hoping that it was going to be really good because the amount of shit that this film has taken from people who haven't seen it uh, and who openly say they're not going to see it, it, it surprised me a little bit. It seems like the the new thing in, in being a film fan is not liking films. And, you know, there's so much of this uh, out there. I saw a thing for The Telegraph. Um, did an article today on their website of the 10 most overrated films of all time. And it's a bit like, it's this negative um, vibe that we all seem to get at the moment. Now we're into The Amazing Spider-Man 2, really, really expecting it to, to, you know, to not wow me, but for me to have a really good time with it. And uh, it didn't disappoint. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I think that Garfield is a, a great Spider-Man. The like you said, the chemistry between him and, and, and Emma Stone is brilliant. And it, like you say, it's not a oh you know look they just look at each other like they want to fuck all the time. It's not that they they have this great patter uh, with them, and it, it, it seems like they're enjoying um, it. And you get the feeling like some of it is literally just some of the little interactions are maybe not massively scripted. They're a little bit improvised between them of them just throwing stuff out at each other and that the giggles between them are actually real. Um, and that's something that people have been a little bit cynical about. Yet when um, you get people like Will Ferrell and Steve, um, well, Will Ferrell and, and Steve Carell do it in, in an Anchorman movie, it's amazing, it's brilliant. Yet when two people who live together and spend all time together... Uh, do it in a film, you know, that makes sense within the film. It, it's seen as 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 something that's oh well, you know, that's a little bit shitty, isn't it? You know, it's a little bit like injure. Fuck off. Um, I think Dame DeHaan is a is great casting, uh, and he's fantastic up to a point. Um, it certainly has its flaws, but it's a fucking comic book movie. They all have their flaws, and the 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 key bit here is this is a comic book movie. This is a movie that I think is aimed at sort of 8 to 14-year-olds. Yep. That's what it's going for. And if people like me and you like it, that's brilliant. They, they like that. They don't want to alienate us. But what they want to do is they want to aim it at that, at the demographic that, that, that The Amazing Spider-Man should be aimed at. And I think the fact that the the kind of late 20s to early 40s um, kind of comic book geek, movie geek crossovers that have had so many movies aimed at them in the past 10 years 
um, don't like this because partially because it's not directed at them, because it's not aimed at them. It's aimed, it's not dumbed down, but it's toned down a little bit. And yet it feels a little bit heavy fisted at some points and the emotional beats feel a little bit contrived and a little bit kind of rammed down your throat. But they're not aimed at people with 20 odd years of adult life experience. They're aimed at people who haven't gone through these actual emotions yet. That's that's an interesting point, you know, because I'm thinking about the Raimi films now. And I mean, like, especially Spider-Man 1. That's a very, very kiddie film. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And, you know, people look back on the Raimi films now and shit on them. Mm. And I wonder if it is... I think that's a really interesting point. Like, the fact that the Nolan film, the Batman films, and the Marvel Studios films have kind of made it all right for people who like to see themselves as grown-ups to like comic book movies. But then if you have got comic book movies that aren't doing what those films do and unabashedly aim for ki- like family audiences, then, you know, it's seen as as worse because of it. I think that's a really interesting point. And, I, I, and the, the thing is, there's something inherent with Spider-Man as well, the fact that he is a kid compared to a lot of superheroes. Yeah. You know, and he's got that kind of an enthusiasm about the whole thing. I mean, like, Iron Man has the enthusiasm... But he's also like a philanthropist, plague boy, and he's got that kind of thing going for him as well. Yeah. This is Andrew Garfield, a 30-year-old, basically playing like an 18-year-old and having fun with it. And, that, yeah, that's an interesting point, Mark. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing is, is um, I think, it, 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 I think he's, he's definitely having fun with it, and you can see it, and this is a fun movie, and it's got... it. it, it it hits so many different emotional beats within it, you know. And I, I think it, it, it definitely had me. Um, it already had me well on board from, from the from my enjoyment of the first. So I was already willing to go. Do you know what? As long as you're not shit, I'm fucking happy. And so I was willing to let it go. So I was laughing at, at bits during it, and I, you know, the. The bit where Sally Field, um, who played Aunt May, is is kind of her bit where she's saying to um, to Peter Parker, you know, you chasing after your father, um, it makes me feel like I'm not enough. I've done all this for you, and it's still not enough for you. Yeah. Um, that that fucking that got me, and it did get me of of of, of that, and it was you know, and it's supposed to. And it's it's often these kind of things, these kind of beats, where I think that I'm happy for that to get me. I'm happy for that, for me to have sat there and sort of started to fucking tear up a little bit during that. Whereas you, you get the feeling that sometimes that those emotions and films, when they elicit those emotions, especially films like this, uh, which is it's an amazing Spider-Man 2, you know, it, maybe it shouldn't elicit those emotions from a, you know a, an early 30s man. And sometimes you can get that cynicism from people who maybe have had that emotion, that that sort of string kind of twanged a little bit, and instead of going with it, they've gone, well, this is stupid, and kind of gone all kind of macho about it. And I, I didn't, I, I felt, I felt fucking sort of tit up, and it, 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 it helped me get through the bits where the movie does kind of dip a little bit, and it, you know, it, it's nearly two and a half hours long. Um, and we'll come to some of the, the negatives soon, but it it still kind of zips along at a nice pace up to up to a certain point where it, it, it starts to it went too far, I think. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, looking at Mark Webb as well, I mean, I think he's... It was interesting, because when Amazing Spider-Man first came out, there were a lot of rumblings that like the studio wasn't very happy with what Mark Webb did, and that he wouldn't be back for the next ones, whereas now he's like doing the next two and three. You know, and it, it's interesting. I wonder if he's basically said, like, back me or sack me as, as such to, for, like, a, a football manager parlance, you know, whether he, you know, they, they kind of chopped and changed the first film so much that, that, that you know, I, I think it is shonky in parts. They, um, they were making it on, I mean, they were literally writing it as they were making it the first one as well, weren't they? They, they had an idea, yeah. but they were, they were writing bits as they were making it. And I think the fact that this had more time uh, definitely makes definitely sit. You can tell it, 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 in the the visual and the construct certainly. The, the, the first one, it's the fact that they try to justify the fact they're doing it in the first place by saying it's the untold story. This is a new story, mm. and then the film comes out, and they kind of they pay uh, they pay lip service to that with like the idea that um, Peter's parents were involved in something, um, and and then it, but it kind of just it slightly disappears a little bit. Whereas this one. They do fair play to them. They do pay that off. Um, do a couple but, of things I, to add on that, actually. A couple of things just to just to mention that that kind of revolve a little bit around that. First of all, did you see it in two D or three D? Two D. Two D. Cool. Sorry, three D. By the way, three D adds nothing to it at all. Um, didn't even notice it was in three D uh, after about ten minutes. Um, but the other thing is, is there was there was a few bits in the trailers and in the marketing. Um, that didn't actually happen in the movie. Okay, go on. What, what have in we got? one of the trailers, um, um, Harry Osborne mentions to Peter Parker that Oscorp have been following him. Oh, and there's the bit where and um, Chris Cooper's you. character. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah. in the film. Chris Cooper's character is like, we have great plans for you, Peter Parker. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not in the film, not there. And, you know, this is something that's starting to happen more and more, where we're getting bits in trailers. And it, part of it must be the fact that we're getting trailers shipped out to us when a film is is still filming a lot of the time. Um, the thing is, I'll just say, with this, the fact that Norman Osborn, it sounds like it's either Norman Osborn or the guy with the hat, yeah, says, we have great plans for you, Peter Parker. Part part of the key thing about this film is that Oscorp haven't realised that Peter Parker must have got bitten by one of the spiders. Yeah. That's a key part of it. So how have they had great plans for you, Peter Parker, when we don't even know until the course of this film that you know, you you had this? That's that's weird. It would make sense if it's the guy in the hat, because that could have happened once. Um... Harry Osborn works out that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Uh, I suppose so. That, could, yeah, that maybe like at the end of but, the it, film. But, it, but what I'll say is, is I did actually think it was uh, Norman Osborn, not the guy in the hat. It sounded like Chris Cooper, didn't it? Did, it? it did yeah, sound like Chris okay. Cooper, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there is... That, that goes back into what you were saying about the fact that there's this unsold story, which makes me think that maybe that's going to be explored more in in the, the third movie. Maybe they did know all along or something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, it's... 
they've got to come back to whether well, you think they have to come back to it at some point, or they might just hope that people forget. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, no, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I would just um, say, just to finish my point about Mark Webb, um, he, I think he shows a lot more control here. I mean, he, he gets, he gets space to have a lot of um, cute stuff between Gwen and Peter, which works very, very well. He's obviously a good director with like romantic kind yeah. of stuff he was in the first film he was with 500 days of summer i think that stuff works here and um i mean i'm I'm sure second unit did a lot on the action sequences but i think the action sequences work as well they're they're coherent i think the fact that he's shooting in um he's shooting in 3d probably helps with that you know the the editing not to be too quick and that kind of thing but um you you understand and you follow the action all the way and um i mean i i i think he's crafted a very good looking film and um I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he goes next. I mean, he said he's not going to do any more after the third one, and it sounds like Garfield's not either. And I, I kind of hope they don't, you know, so they can work on other things. But I'm, I'm happy with what, what he's doing here for sure. The untold story thing, I, I'll just say on that as well. I wonder if you agree with me on this, that part of the fact where the film drags is where Peter's told oh, your dad and mum were selling secrets to, like, foreign agencies, and then Peter has this crisis of it, and then there's, like, a 20-minute section where he's moping, and then he, you know, the the silly kind of train thing, and um, uh, and then he kind of discovers, oh, actually, no, they, they, they were good all along. And it just... They're obviously going to be good all along. Peter Parker's ter- uh, 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 parents are not going to be, like, terrorists, or, you know, it, it just... That feels to me like stuff that's so obviously going in that direction that why even bother? And it yeah. just eats up screen time. Yeah, I, I, I think I can completely. Uh, yeah, you, you could quite easily lose that 10, 15 minutes. Uh, you know, the, the whole. Yeah, it, that that it did feel a little bit where it's interesting, it looked nice, but you're watching it going, uh, you've either got to go further with that. Or, or it doesn't make sense, and you know, again, and a lot of and the, and one of the criticisms I've seen of Amazing Spider-Man Two is that, uh, which baffles me a little bit, that this has been used as a criticism for this movie, but not for other movies, is that there's a lot of setting up for the third movie within it, and there is an awful lot of setting up for the third yeah. movie within it. But you know, again, it feels a little bit like, hang on a minute, so it's not all right for Spider-Man Two to do that, but it's all right for every other Marvel movie is set up other Marvel movies and Avengers movies. It's a yeah. little bit it's a little bit like people are picking picking reasons to pick on this movie that they wouldn't pick for other movies. It's Yeah, no so uh, it, there's, there's a lot of that going on with this movie. Yeah. I mean the thing is I have actually been quite outspoken in the past about hating like when films set up sequels and don't finish their stories but i will say what annoys me is something like say the golden compass where it ends literally like there should be another half hour at the end of it then you know it it should it feels like it just stops um whereas something like say john carter where it's setting up a lot of stuff for a second film that will never be at least it tells its It's story it's done in that in that film, which which I, which this does, but the problem yeah, is, is it does in a way also start to tell a little bit of what you're thinking. Do you know what this could have been? Amazing Spider-Man three. The, well, 
the thing is, if this had ended with Gwen Stacy's death, I I wonder whether that would have been a more satisfying ending than what we get. Or, or I mean, the thing is, it's either that. It's either we get the ending that we do get where it goes on for like another 10 or 15 minutes and then by the end of it, he's coming to terms with it. Or we get that at the start of the next one and it eats up. Well, no, I, I, I was already with all of it, um, but then the bit where you get uh, Rhino appears and stuff like that. I like that because it's a nice yeah. annou- it's a nice moment that Spider-Man is Back. back, which, which yeah, when you say it like that, my brain is kind of going. But yeah, actually, that is a good point, and it does, it doesn't, it makes as much sense for it to be there as it, it, as not as not. It, it, yeah, it could have been one or the other. Yeah, and it does. And I like I'm to say, fine with both. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think, I think, I think you're right. Absolutely. And it's also, it's nice to have Paul Giamatti back at the end. And I am really looking forward to... He's going to be the comic relief villain. Yeah, and he, 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 he does seem like uh, he's going to enjoy that. You know, Paul Giamatti's a comic book fan. You know, that's why he's doing the Amazing Spider-Man uh, movies. That's why he's going to be in them. You know, it, it, yeah, I mean, yes, he's getting paid for it. Of course he is. But, you know, he has come out and, you know, he's... He's known uh, as being a huge comic book fan, and you can get the idea that that it's kind of come across, and someone's offered him, and he's gone, "Oh God, yeah, why not? Fuck it, yeah, I'll do it." And you know, and you know, going to the performances. Uh, what do you think of Dane DeHaan? Because I, I think he, we, we both mentioned in the trailer uh, that he was perfectly cast as as Harry Osborn. What did you think of his performance? I thought he was fine, man. I thought he, I, it, it's. I think towards the end he's hampered by the makeup. Yes, that's, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, that that's my thing. I don't think he's bad as as Green Goblin, but the makeup's not great. That shit's brutal, it, and it, the it, laugh as well. I'm not into that at all, and it feels like they're slightly hedging their bets. By at the end of the film, it's like he's kind of back to normal. He says, "Oh well, it comes and goes." Mm. Yeah, you know, that's a little bit. Like they're not too sure themselves. Um, it, does leave, but, it does leave it open, certainly, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think he works well as the he could be the best friend, he could be the worst enemy. Yeah. I I, 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 I think that dichotomy, I think um, an actor like Dane DeHaan, or like if, if, you know, if you were to recast like Caleb Landry Jones or somebody like that, they they do that could be friendly could be evil kind of thing quite well. Yeah, I, I think I think Dan Arnie, he, he he definitely feels the part. You know, he when he's in the boardroom and he's saying to the lawyers and he basically says, "What's to the girl at the end? You know, what's your name?" I like, kind of saying, "Right, you all work for her now because she works for me." You know, yeah. you get the feeling that he could be a a, a little ship. You also get the feeling that, that he has the the intelligence to back it up uh to back up all of this chatter that he's going to throw at them um and he he, he does play that that very well but then let you see he, he is very much let down by the um the, the design and the makeup that goes later on which to be honest makes him look like a 14 year old in a halloween costume yeah that's yes that is exactly what he looks like um 
Yeah, no, that is exactly. Yeah, that's very good. It's it just like you know the kind of like the the, the kind of the strip back grin kind yeah. of thing. It, it, it looks like um, Joker Junior. Yes, it, it does, and and he's kind of he's better than that. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, no, he uh, yeah he is better than that, but. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in subsequent ones. I mean, I'm I'm assuming Amazing Spider-Man three and Sinister Six. He's got. I reckon he's probably contracted for three films, and it's two, three, and Sinister Six. Yeah, yeah, that that will look like it. It's it. Um, you know, and it very much. I think Dane DeHaan is very much one of those actors who was kind of much in the same way as Franco. I think looked at the, the you know the same character essentially as right. I can do this to get my name out there i can do these movies and then that's it i, I, I can then go off because when you look at what he's done previous to it he does look like one of those who he, he's not as enamored by the glamour of it all and he wants to more go along a different kind of route yeah um yeah it, yeah so i yeah, no, absolutely um dubstep that made me laugh i the thing is I thought, fuck it, good on them for trying something different. Yeah. And it is funny, and it is odd, but I I kind of enjoyed it. I and the thing is, the kind of just like the kind of the base of it, I thought worked quite well with when he's kind of unleashing his powers, and it's like, you know, I I I. I I, I thought that was quite a good melding of sound design and score and visuals. Mm. And I think may, maybe from like a, a narrative story character point of view, maybe not amazing, but from a kind of just a... But a it adds as, the as atmosphere. As it says, a pure cinema point of view, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was actually really interesting. It, it, it adds, it, it absolutely adds to the, to the, I think, the atmosphere of the character and the... You know the fun of the character and the fun of the film, uh, and I mean it, when I say fun, I mean in the terms of the entertainment of the film and the the whole. It, it, it does draw you in and it does make sense within the character and it didn't feel out of place. And mm. uh, I, 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 like you say, it, it's a clever idea. It's someone doing something different. It's not playing it absolutely safe. And whenever you do something different and you don't play it safe, people are gonna shit on it. Uh, because it's different and then you're going to get other people who are going to like it and the problem is is the people who shit on stuff shout louder than the people who like it yeah i mean I, yeah no, that's true i mean it just i suppose it doesn't help that i mean getting to another point um I, jamie fox he it's it's it, it, he's the weakest link yeah he is and I, the thing is it's just because it's Jamie Foxx being asked to do something that Jamie Foxx isn't usually asked to do, mm. you know, being a geek, and yeah. all, you know, and he just, he feels like somebody play acting. At, I mean, because he obviously has no life experience in doing it. I mean, obviously he doesn't have any life experience of being a slave, no. you know, but he's okay with Django Unchained, but it just... It's a bit it, Dwayne Dibley. Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very good, and it's that kind of it's caricature. Yeah, and yes. it is, it is comic book, but it's that's a little bit too, too far. Co- yeah, I, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It, it, it's it, it's a little bit 
when you've got other performances within, performances within the film that feel very natural, and you know Garfield feels like he's right for that character. Same Emma Stone, Dane Lehan. These all these people feel right for these characters. Jamie Fox, you are always aware that that is Jamie Fox. I mean, I think he does better once he's Electro. Yeah. Like the whole kind of like the power surging in him kind of thing and the anger. I think he actually plays that quite well. Mm. But it, it just, I don't know, him being demure and kind of like just dropping things all over the place and kind of like like the muttering to himself. It, it just, it's, it, 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 yeah, he is definitely the leakest, the, 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 the leakest winkiest link out of the uh, out, out of the main cast but I don't think he's brutal no. because I think his, his electro saves it but his uh, pardon me his Max whatever Dylan. the fuck his name is um, Dylan what is his name Max Dylan Dylan thank you yeah. sorry uh, I, I, I you know is is weak um, one question I take it the Gwen Stacy did you know that was going to happen um, I didn't I I I had a feeling it was gonna, but I, I didn't know for sure that that she was going to. Well, we've already said that she was gonna die. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of, I kind of thought she was going to, but I think during the movie I kind of tried to convince myself that that was just a rumor that I'd heard and maybe it wasn't gonna happen because I was enjoying that her performance within it so much and you're thinking there's going to be a third and I prefer her to be in it than not and was kind of almost trying to convince myself that it wasn't and then when it happened you know right yeah she's going to die um I thought it was it was very well done I thought it worked really well that whole he's trying to say that and then at that point you go you know the thing is is like I said before that the 8 to 14 year olds probably don't know she's going to die and so they're watching it, and it is this, what is it, this tense kind of thing. Whereas I watch it going, shit, she dies here, doesn't she? And, but that kind of added to the whole, oh, how is it going to happen? And oh, is it? And then when it actually happened, I, I'll be honest, I did actually, my arms, turned my arms out um, across these two seats that were next to me. There was no one sat in them. I wasn't just hugging children or anything. Um, and... Um, I, didn't, I, I had no pants on though, so that, that kind of did make it weird for everyone. Um, but then when it did happen, my, my arms did go up to my face and I did go, shit, at that moment. Because I was in, I, I got into the film. And I, I, that did happen. I did feel something. I thought, oh my God, I'm sat in front of so many people. Because uh, I wasn't sit, sat where I usually sit uh, in the, the screen that I was in. I was sat further down towards the, the middle where there's like a gap, so it's a nice seat. But there was nobody in front of me. There was quite a lot of people behind. I thought, I literally everybody has just seen how into this movie I am because I've gone shit. <laughs> but and I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm enjoying the movie. That's why I'm here. That's, um, yeah. No, I, so it, it did, oh, get me. did you know that? I think you absolutely knew that it was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I did. Just because. Um, well, a, I asked one of my colleagues who'd actually seen it. I was just like, look, just tell me. I don't care. Does Gwen, does Emma Stone die? And it was just like, yeah. Even though it was quite funny, though, because my colleague said, but it's weird because I don't know why she did die because he catches her. But when you watch the film, you know and that. I thought it was kind of interesting actually, he does catch her, but she fucking cracks her head. Yeah. You know, which which is obviously what does it. So I thought that was interesting, and I 
thank Jeebus uh, that it was not a case of he gets uh, he's like Gwen Gwen and then she gives some sort of farewell speech and then dies. No, but the fact that she's but, she's dead. Yeah, I mean, and then like blood starts trickling out of her nose. I thought that was a really good way to play it. They kind of cheat by the fact that they have that speech that she has. Yeah, you know, and that's almost like her her goodbye speech. But I thought that was good that they just played it like that. Like I did, I I was just like, I'm going to respect this far less if she says in a couple minutes, then conks out. Yeah, which you get the feeling that that maybe they. They recorded, they shot both, and then went, nope, nope, nope. It, 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 it does seem like in the the non-kind of... The bits where you get the feeling that Mark Webb had more to do with, because you get the feeling that, like you say, sure. that the second unit probably did a lot of the action stuff in terms of that, or had a lot more influence, we'll say, on the action yeah. stuff. It would be a little bit doing Mark Webb a disservice to say that he was just fucking sat around. <laughs> but other bits where Webb was like going, right, this is where it's it, it, his bit they're very well judged they all make sense and the beats all work and those those bits swim quite nicely and, and that that definitely works and it, it it is a great scene you know and the fact that you, you look at that and you're going actually garfield is actually a pretty decent actor yeah yeah no absolutely he, he, he plays it very well it, it it's quite low key and after like the kind of like, yeah. the boom and blast of the previous 20 minutes it's nice to have that there's there's no big kind of like scream looking up the up the clock tower which they could have had where you know it then shoots back up or anything like that you could have had that they could have made it too over dramatic and just kind of you know overfilled the glass a little bit and they they don't it's played quite well um I get the feeling that we could end up chatting to this for, for another hour. So I'm, what I'm going to do is say, is there anything else specific that you think we need to go into with it? or, or No, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, yeah. to be honest. It's, I, a, I, yeah. it's, it's a, a definitely not shit. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, people need to stop being so snippy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, certainly definitely not shit. It's, nowhere near the highest tier of comic book movies but it's it's comfortably i'd say better than middling oh yeah no without without question um like comfortably yeah uh right so um yeah that was the main span of two we're going to play you some promos for some podcasts um that we uh, like and enjoy uh and then we're going to get into some one old one new Right, Ian, uh, do you want to check us in with your uh, one old or one new first? It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick, the man shit, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I could handle anything. Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively, but if I have no other choice. Horror. And romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back. For just one more adventure. Humans are such an easy prey. 
Noel Meller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, no just just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenser.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. I'm Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Go- oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake! No, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gorepress Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. So much knowledge about this film. Okay, I'll, um, I'll go with my one old first. Uh, so this actually turned out um, it was on TV last night, but I uh, watched it on Blu-ray on uh, Friday. Um, I started watching it on Thursday and then uh, finished it off on Friday because it's uh, two hours and fifty minutes long. Michael Mann's Heat, um, which I have not seen in at least a decade. Easy. Um, and I got it in this four-pack, this Robert De Niro collection Blu-ray four-pack. Oh, um, yeah. It was on sale on Amazon for like a tenner um, at one point. It's Goodfellas, Heat, The Mission, and Once Upon a Time in America, which is, uh, that's a good deal that's for a tenner. That's a good deal for a tenner, that, isn't it? Yeah, so um, I was happy with that. What's, and, the, um, what's the, uh, the, 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 the transfer like of the Heat on that? Does oh, it, Heat's great. Because the reason why I haven't bit on that is twofold. One... I want to get the full extended version of Once Upon a Time in America. And I thought I'd read somewhere that the heat transfer wasn't great. But I'm intrigued. Let me look at Blu-ray.com and see what they say. But I thought it was fantastic. It's good. But yeah, but it's, it's one of those rainy, ones where... It's detailed. Yeah, it's one of those ones where I do, I'm not sure if I have read it or if I just think that I've read it. 
Right, I'm going to see what Blu-ray.com think because they are experts. Four yeah, out of five. Well, you see why. Um, your appreciation will largely come down to the nature of your expectations. Anyone hoping for a faithful rendering of man's grim and gritty aesthetics, bleach palette, and oppressive shadows will be enamored with the results, while those looking for the latest and greatest high-definition presentation will be slightly underwhelmed. I, for one, am more than happy with how it turned out, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's... Yeah, I mean, it does say here, some scattered establishing shots are soft, a few are downright blurry. There's one shot particularly, I think it's a nighttime shot, where it's almost like it's focused in on one particular bit and the rest is really blurry. And it does kind of feel like, is that actually intentional? Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the, the Blu-ray image I thought was, um, I thought was cracking actually. It's cool. just, it, yeah, it's grainy and it shows off uh, man's thing well, to be honest. I think I um, but yeah, so yeah, oh, it's, yeah, I'd say it's worth it. Um, so yeah, heat. Um, it's great. Uh, it, you know, I mean, it, it is just fantastic. It's um, for those who don't know the story, it's essentially cops and robbers, really. Um, so you've got um, uh, De Niro's Neil McCauley, who, along with uh, a bunch of his uh, pals, uh, played notably by Val Kilmer and Tom Sizemore and Danny Trejo as well. Yeah, uh, which which is fun. I believe he actually plays a character called Trejo, uh, <laughs> which which is amazing. Um, but yeah, they um, he, he's not in it as much. But um, yeah, they. Uh, they're, they're doing this job um, and they have some outside help. This guy, um, uh, fuck, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he's played by Tom Noonan and he uh, basically shoots a cop and then basically all the other witnesses are killed and um, Al Pacino kind of picks up on the scent here and then um, basically starts two hours, 50 minutes of Al Pacino going after Robert De Niro but with the two men's kind of personal lives delved into as well, as well as Val Kilmer's characters, uh, notably as well. Um, Wayne Grove I mean, is. Wayne Grove, that's it's it. It's actually Kevin Gage who plays him. Tom Noonan plays. Just... Tom Noonan plays the uh, you know the guy in the um, wheelchair with the big beard that's telling him. But what is it? Uh, that that's setting up the jobs for him. Shit. Well, John Voight sets up jobs for. Yeah, you know the guy, oh. the guy who who who, who yeah. helps find where Wayne Grow is for him. He's in the wheelchair yeah. with a big bit. That's yeah. Tom Noonan yeah. character. Okay, Kelso, no, that's totally. Sorry, it, it just whenever I, it, it's just Wayne Grow plays a character who kind of feels like Tom Noonan would play. Yes. Like, just kind of like they're just kind of depraved and you know will kill whores and whatnot, you know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't feel a million miles away from, like, Manhunter or something, you know, it, it, like, that that kind of sleazy, skeezy, not the Manhunter, not not the two fairy character, but that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, no, fair enough, uh, Kevin Gage. Um, but, yeah, so, I, 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 yeah, basically, what, what I fucking love about Michael Mann is that he is about men doing their jobs and doing them well. Mm. That is what he does, you know, and, and here you've got you've got that, but both with the cop and the robber. And that's amazing. And I mean, even to the fact that De Niro's character says all along, you know, do not have anything in your life that you could not leave with like the in a heartbeat within like the heat being 30 seconds away from you. Yeah. You know, and he actually does that yeah. at the end of the film 
I love that he does that. You know, for all the, the like, he's he's going to retire, he's going to jack it in. There's just, you know, when the heat is on him, he's going to do what he's going to do. It, it, it's a code, and he absolutely sticks to it. It's building up, and you think that this is going to be the one time where he doesn't stick to it. And, he, and then as you're thinking that, he goes, fuck this, I'm off. Like what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that's that's amazing, and it feels like an evolution of the idea in Thief, where yeah. in Thief, in Thief, he's he's got that kind of code as well. But what undoes uh, Frank in Thief is the fact that he's got this idealized dream that he cannot attain, and as soon as he tries to attain it, the gods basically kick him in the balls, and the only way that he can get away is by setting fire literally to everything and walking off into the darkness. And Frank kind of wins, kind of loses in Thief. Whereas in Heat, you know, it, it, it's, you know, you've got the cops versus robbers thing. And it kind of feels like if this was about Macaulay, he'd probably get away with it by do it by sticking to his code, mm. you know, but I mean, in the end, I mean, he doesn't get away with it, but then it's because Al Pacino's character also sticks to his code you know, and the fact that, I mean, it, you know, the fact that he even says, I'm not going to leave, I'm not going to leave when Natalie Portman's character is admitted to hospital, but then he does leave. Mm. You know, he, he, you know, it, it's that kind, I, I don't know, that kind of man's man kind of thing. And it, it's almost, it's almost kind of wish fulfillment on the part of like the male audience, I would say as well. You know, you, you're seeing these guys who... You know, they, they, they've got they've got love interests, but no, they do what they have to do. Yeah. You know, they do what they need to do to survive in this world, even though Macaulay doesn't survive in this world. And if you were reading into it, it could be the fact that he even tries to get with um, Amy Brenneman's character in the first place. You know, I mean, if, if you wanted to read it from a kind of misogyny angle, I think there's that, you know, that that is a reading that you could have on it, even though I wouldn't subscribe that to that myself. I mean, there's certainly a misogyny angle you could take from Public Enemies and from Thief as well, if you wanted to. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they're doing that. No. Um, but, I mean, as well as that, I mean, you've got the the the, the main action set piece in the, in the kind of the middle of the film, which has influenced so much. I mean, like you've even got the Ray Two, and they they you know they've said that that, that heat was an influence on that. Yeah. I mean, the, the dark the Dark Knight no, would not fucking exist without heat. Oh no, it, 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 it's 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 heat, but with in a comic book world, you know, the Dark Knight it, yeah. is. is Owes, and and Nolan freely admits it owes so much to the the ideas and the atmosphere created and the you know the framework that he has. No, absolutely, and it, it just it's I mean even the look of the Dark Knight, you know, the kind of the steely blues, uh, mm. particularly of the daytime, it's very very heat. I mean I've, I've been itching to rewatch the Dark Knight for a while because I haven't for a couple of years. And I'm wondering how much are going to be like he 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 you know. Oh, um, a lot. I watched them yeah, before no, uh, in sure. the same week. Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, but yeah, I, it, I I mean, Pacino is great. He's doing his Pacino thing, but when he go goes full Pacino, it's kind of for a reason. It's like to intimidate people, basically. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, you know, they, she's got a great ass, you know. Yeah, and the, the, the you, you can fuck my wife, but you are not watching my TV. 
yeah, yeah, you are not watching my fucking television set. That is amazing. And Xander Berkeley's just sat there, just like, you know, right from the start. He's like, sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know that she was married. And yet he still chews him out anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, and, and just the fact he actually takes the television set. And there's, there's the shot later on once he's kind of given up the chase and he's driving to the hotel. He's got the fucking television <laughs> set in the passenger seat. It's, it's, it's great. It's brilliant. You get um, the feeling that that came from a story told to man or somebody that man heard that that happened. That, yeah, yeah, that totally. has to have happened to somebody involved in the story. Yeah, no, abs- uh, no, absolutely. It kind of that, that just reminds me of a bit in the um, the commentary for Thief with uh, Man and James Khan. Um, oh God, what is it? Man calls the like the, the the real life thieves. Oh, that was it. Um, he call he calls the real life thieves they had working on the films technical consultants, <laughs> and James Khan ribs him about it for the rest of the commentary track. It's fucking amazing I and it, right. yeah i mean I but it's just the fact that man like I'm, I'm seriously if you've got a region a capable player the thief blu-ray it, it i keep on mentioning thief but that blu-ray is fucking essential yeah I, I, it, it, when, I, when i eventually do bite and get a region a blu-ray player it will be the first blue i get essential and a little bit of plugging i did a criterion close-up article on it uh, for verite a uh, month or two back and you know there you go but um yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's that that whole kind of the, the real, real shit kind of thing. You'll have to wonder how many stories man heard. I, I really, really would love to listen to the commentary on this. You know, it's two hours, 50 minutes. It's a big investment of your time. But um, mm. I listened to the commentary on Miami Vice uh, once upon a time, and that, that's fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's talked enough on, on, on Heat. Well, I haven't talked enough on Heat, but, you know, I'll, I will move on. But it just... Five out of five, stone cold modern classic, and um, you know, in twenty years' time, it's going to be every bit as good as it is now. I, I, it's yeah. a sensational film. I still don't think it gets anywhere near the. Uh, the I, it, it, it is it is a very well regarded film, uh, but I still don't think it, it, it gets anywhere near the actual praise uh, that it that it should um, get. And I think the reason for that is it was basically completely passed over um, for any awards at all. Yeah, that's 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 heartbreaking. That is. It is. But, I mean, it, oh, so good. And I think that that, that that Kilmer is. I think it's one of Kilmer's best films. I think he's incredible in it. I think the, the yeah, whole film's incredible. Um, yeah. Right, uh, before I get into my one-on-one new, I'm going to quickly put my dinner in the oven, which will take me two seconds because I'm about two foot away. I just can't quite reach it with my headphones on. It's two seconds. Nice. Cool. Here we are. Hello, back. Hi. Hello. Right. Uh, one old or one new. Well, as soon as you did your one old first, I'll do my one new first, uh, which kind of adds a nice little symmetry to it. Um, basically, the only uh, one uh, new film, with the exception of um, Spider-Man, that I've watched, but would still be the one I've chose to uh, talk about. 
Uh, I watched the uh, comedy kind of caper um, movie, The Art of the Steel, um, which stars Kurt Russell, uh, Jay Baruchel, uh, Matt Dillon, uh, and a few other kind of semi-recognisable faces, uh, and Terrence Stamp as well. Um, have you seen this or seen anything about it or anything like that? Um, I've seen what you've said about it. Yeah, um, essentially what you've got is... Um, Kurt Russell plays a guy called Crunch Calhoun, um, and um, that's a great name, isn't it? Uh, his uh, half brother is played by uh, Matt Dillon, uh, and they are art thieves. Um, they run scams uh, along with um, who else is it? It's the guy uh, Kenneth Walsh. That's it. Um, where they have a little crew. Where what they do is they uh, steal artworks and replace them with forgeries and then they sell on the real artwork to collectors who obviously aren't going to um who are going to mind buying black market art um at the start of the film um kurt russell's character gets set up by matt dillon's character um uh, well no they, that kind of gets caught and to escape punishment gives up uh, kurt russell's character because uh, he works out that if uh, he goes to prison, because he's already got one conviction, he'll do 25 years. If Kurt Russell goes, he'll only do six or seven years. So then we flash forward six or seven years later when Kurt Russell has got out of jail, which is a prison in Poland, um, and he's now working as a stunt um, driver um, for a, like, a, like a carnival kind of thing, uh, and he's got Jay Baruchel plays his mechanic and all these other things, and he ends up getting duped into one last job, which the film does kind of state very, very pointedly. Uh, Kurt Russell's character basically says, Look, I know everyone says that there's one last job, and there never is one last job, but this kind of was going to be one last job, and the whole film kind of plays out like that. Um, and it's a really fun movie. Um, they essentially they have to um, steal uh, a uh, copy of um, you heard of the Gutenberg Bible, haven't you? Hello. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the the whole idea is that the Gutenberg Bible is the first ever um, book that was printed on the Gutenberg printing press, which then started, you know, the the art of being able to print news and things like that, uh, the mass printing thing. And the whole thing is that the second book printed was the King James, um, the Apostles, uh, from told by James. Um, and so the idea is that, that they have to then, that this book has already been taken into customs and they have to steal it from customs. That's it. That's the idea of it all and there's this big kind of care for aspects of it. Um, but they're being chased by a, a guy from Interpol, uh, who has a art thief uh, that is working with him um, to basically uh, get early release from prison, who is played by Terence Stamp. Um, the Interpol guy um, is... Uh, and his relationship with Terence Stamp is hilarious because the Interpol guy is... You know, in the A team, um, and you've got uh, Patrick Wilson's Lynch character where... They're all very much they're taken on board of the look we're CIA and out we cool we can do all this really cool stuff. Sure, yeah. It's that, but taken to a whole new level. Uh, this guy is completely fucking clueless, but he's constantly trying to do make himself look badass, 
and sort of like be really aggressive towards people and all this lot. And then you've just got Terrence Stamp who just fucking calls him on everything throughout it. Anytime Terrence Stamp opens his mouth in the film, it is an absolute gold fucking put down uh, throughout it. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about it because it is a, a very new film. Um, so, you know, we are all spoilers all the time, but I, I don't like spoil stuff where people probably haven't had a chance to see it yet. I, I think, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I, I don't know, I, I, you've actually sold me on it. Yeah, it, it, do you know what? It's a fucking, it, it's a absolutely solid um, weeknight film. It's, okay. It's going to easily, it, it's, it's 90 minutes long, so it doesn't outstay its welcome at all. There are, it's, the story's not too convoluted that it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't try and pretend it's anything more than it is. And there's a lot, it, it's a proper comedy. There's some great lines in it. There's some great throwing. There was at least three or four times where I actually fucking full-blown belly laughed at it. And it, it's worth it for Terence Stamp alone. So, yeah, if it, it's going to end up by... By the end of the year, this will be on Netflix. I will guarantee it. US or UK, probably both. Uh, it's easily worth the hour and a half that it, that it sits there for. Very nice. I I will I will check this out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely solid entertainment. Uh, go on then, hit us with your one new here. Okay, no worries. Uh, okay, so my one new... Oh, uh, by the way, if we go over half seven, it's absolutely fine. I mean, we're going to go over half seven, but it's absolutely fine, okay? Oh, uh, cool. Um, so, yeah, my one new. Um, the internship. Yes, go on, then. I'm interested to hear what you think about this. Yeah, okay. So this is on Canadian Netflix, um, because I, I suddenly... I know you've been able to do this with Unblock US all the time, but the fact that you can like switch between Netflix regions and whatnot, you know, I've just started basically playing with that more. And it's, it, it's kind of weird that Canadian Netflix has got a lot of kind of like big films that US Netflix doesn't. Yeah. But like World War Z's on there, The Heat's on there, The Internship's on there, Star Trek The Into Darkness is on there. I don't think they're on US Netflix at all. Um, mean, I don't think the, the general selection is as wide, but it's it's worth having a peek if you've got Unblock US. Yeah, and, um, and the, you know, the, the bouncing around to the other regions and now the Unblock have put the captions off thing on as well. So you can go into like the Mexican and the Brazilian one and turn off the hard-coded subtitles. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's... I do not know what the legality is with Unblock US, and I'm sure there's some copyright shit going on there, but... The thing is, if Netflix really wanted to stop people doing it, all they'd have to do is stop the fact that the way Netflix works is whatever country you're in is the Netflix you get. If yeah. they'd like hardwired it to your login, saying your login is a UK account, Netflix account, something like that, that would be all they'd have to do. But they don't do that, even though they must be aware. Oh, they, they are absolutely be, aware. You know, so it, it, it's just it's it's interesting. But I I I, I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, internship. It's on Canadian Netflix. So uh, Donna and I checked it out, um, and it, it's a film that is incredibly fucking easy to be snippy about incredibly <laughs> you know i mean it, it's owen wilson and vince vaughn 
neither of whom have been in vintage form for probably 10 years. Um, at, you know, I mean, like Wedding Crashes, I think, was 10 years or nine years ago. You know, uh, and I, mean, I think they were at the height of their powers then, frankly. Um, and, you know, it's very, it's all about Google. Uh, the film itself has a number of things about, um, you know, how Google's trying to make the world a better place and it's trying to share information. And, it, you know, some of the stuff, some of the characters have to say, uh, it, you know, it is quite wretch-inducing. So going into the internship, it's easy to see why people would be sniffy about it. It's not, it's not a great film. It's barely a recommend, but it was probably, I'd say, three times better than I was expecting it to be because I thought it was going to be a one out of five and I gave it a three out of five on Letterboxd. You know, it made me laugh enough, enough. just about. Sorry? Yeah, enough. I was, I was exactly the same with it. Just about enough. It's longer than it needs to be, as everything is these days. But it it passes the time. Fine. We watched it on Saturday night, and it was just that was absolutely fine for a Saturday night watch. Yeah. If I had gone to the cinema to see it, I probably would have been a bit more aggrieved. But watching it on Netflix, it's absolutely fine. And yes, the Google stuff is. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's, like, there's a line that Kermode mocked a lot where Rose Byrne says, you know, I like to think we're trying to make the world a better place, I think she says. And it is a bit, you know, come on, you, you Google. But I don't know. <laughs> my opinion's about Google. I've got Android devices coming out of my ears. I use Google Maps all the fucking time. I have a Gmail account. I use YouTube a lot. I don't care how much information about Google, uh, about me Google takes, if I'm if I'm honest, as long as it means I get subsidised prices on my phones and tablets, and I get services like SatNav that would cost would cost something for free. As the information that I give Google through what I do in terms of you know targeted advertising and all that bollocks, whatever you don't have to click on the links if you don't if you don't want to. To be honest, me, I know a lot of people would disagree on this. I don't care that they read my emails because what are they going to see? A shitload of press releases from fucking PR companies uh, about DVDs and Blu-ray releases and screenings and stuff and the occasional photo of Lottie. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of those. It's the internet paranoia thing. If you are that fond about the internet and you have that against the ideas of it and the spying and all that crap, don't use the internet. It can't, yeah, to be honest, yeah. I I don't care. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, it's just... it. I know that sounds, that sounds terrible and for certain people it's going to be a problem. But if you are... Yeah, I mean, either don't use the internet or just, or just don't use Google. Mm. But I just... Like if if Google are harvesting my information so that they can try and sell me things, good on them. Yeah. I I you know I paid two hundred and ninety five pound for my Nexus Five smartphone. Most phones of that quality would cost nearly twice that much. Mm. If that means that they're going to data harvest from me, that's fine. Target ad me Blu-rays and pizza and beer and baby toys. Yeah. Don't you, Whatever. Think, don't you think Max Minghella played a great shit here as well in this movie? 
yeah, sorry, getting back to the film. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, no, 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 I just, I just, I just, I remember particularly enjoying that bit. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is very, very good as as the shit heel. Um, it, yeah, that 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 was. It's yeah, and it's nice to see Max Minghella in stuff because you know, apart from Social Network, I don't know what else he's been in. Um. He's done, a, he's done a bit, but he doesn't do an awful lot, does he? I think he's going into producing, I think. Oh, good for him. He's producing the... It's quite like the middle of January or something like that, half of January. Something like that. It's with Kirsten Dunst and Viggo Mortensen. He's not in it. I think he's just producing it. Oh, the yeah, 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 totally. That, that's interesting. Okay, because his dad was Anthony Minghella, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, he, he, yeah, he's good in this. He, I mean, he's pretty much the British shit heel. Yeah. That that's absolutely fine. Um, the, the, and, the, yeah. Are, I mean, there are a few fucking. There are a few scenes where you're going where literally it is just Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson just talking for the sake of talking, and they're not even saying anything. Yeah, and, and they call them out on that. That's, yeah. that's, that's, they totally do. I mean, the thing is, if you wanted to read it this way, the film's a little bit negative about Google for the fact that, spoiler alert, they actually get jobs at Google in the end. Mm. You know, and I mean, like, it's... You know, the goo, it's because of the Googliness of them. And to be honest, I don't think I would want to work for a company where Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn in this film are deemed as the perfect employees fitting their Googliness. Yeah. It's it's Google kind of taking a little bit of a risk, I think, with the film. Because you could look at it in two ways. You could go, oh, look at Google, doesn't it look like a great place to work? Or you could look at it and go, doesn't Google look like it would be a fucking annoying place to work? That's the thing. That's Donna said, like... A lot of the people who work for Google in this film are fucking dickheads. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I, you know, that's that's yeah, I, that's a really good point. And I mean, it, it's obviously it is essentially selling Google in the end of the day, but I, I, it's it's not as shit as it could have been. It's not. I mean, it's not great. I'm not going to be writing a piece defending it or anything like that. But it's. I mean, the, the the credit sequence at the end is probably the most egregious thing, where like all of the bloody like directed by, written by, blah blah, are kind of formed by people searching things on YouTube or typing in yes. Gmail or in a Google Hangout or you know that or like using Google Drive. It, it's like look at all our services. Look at all the services we do. Yeah, it, 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 it is like that. That's that's kind of, yeah that's that's brutal but you know it's it's fine and compared to a lot of summer comedies you know it's probably better so whatever it's absolutely fine and you know the great Lord Google if you're listening to this I mean like if I say if I was to say okay Google right now okay Google okay Google yeah you know my phone fucking reacts to it you know so my <laughs> phone is listening to me all the time. Fair enough. You know, I can't reach Google at the moment. Google. Okay, Google. Are you planning to harvest my data? Let's see what it comes up with. First rink, 
GPs revolt on NHS plans to harvest patients' medical records. <laughs> so, you know, uh, obviously not. Changing the um, subject there, isn't it, Google? <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, Google. I was only joking. I love you. <laughs> what do we get for that? Right, the first result is a YouTube link. It's in 1981, a live performance of Rod Stewart performing I Was Only Joking. <laughs> Google. See, that's fun. That's nice. We'll, we'll let Google off for that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, Google, we'll let you off for that one. Oh, yeah, no, just search that. All right. Okay, it just searched. Let you all know that one of those search lotto. I didn't say anything like that. I think my phone's broken. I think Google have deactivated my phone because I was sarcastic <laughs> about sarcastic it. sarcastic about them. Um, so, anyway, yeah, uh, the internship. It's absolutely fine, and Google... Whatever. Cool. Uh, right. Well, actually, <laughs> weirdly, um, I, I I didn't actually kind of make a link uh, from this. Um, my one old um, is a movie that also deals with uh, tech uh, in a in a roundabout way. Um, I decided to watch. I was at work the other day, and it was a miserable day. I had no customers in. I was uh, having no phone calls, and it just felt like one of those days that was going to be pretty dead. I also felt like shit. So I happened to have um, Isabel's Kindle HD Fire with me, so I flipped it open and thought, I'm going to watch a film. Somebody comes in, I can pause it, but I've, I've done all the work I need to do. I'm going to watch a film. Um, so I opened it up and went on to um, Amazon Prime Instant and found, thought, right, I don't know what to watch, went to Thrillers and then clicked on Disclosure because I hadn't seen it in, well, 20 years since it came out. Yeah, right. I thought, I'll give it a go. It's Michael Bullock and Demi Moore. It'll be entertaining enough. It'll pass the time. Um, and basically, I, I remember the plot essentially. Uh, have you seen Disclosure? No, I haven't, no. Um, but I, I go on. Essentially, the uh, the plot of Disclosure is um, that um, it is one of uh, sexual harassment. Uh, I remember that, and that it's that it is essentially getting more sexually harassing Michael Douglas's character, but then claims it's the other way around. But I've completely forgotten the fact that... Um, the actual thrust of the story is that, that uh, Michael Douglas works for a tech company uh, called Digicon, who make um, some tech uh, hardware, and they're in the middle of a merger with a software company, and it's going to be this big, huge tech merger. Uh, the big bit of tech that um, Michael Douglas' character, Tom Sanders, is working on uh, is a new CD, advanced CD-ROM. <laughs> Right. Nice. So it's twenty. This film's twenty years old. So, actual idea of the film is Michael Douglas started it, plays character called Tom Sanders. Uh, he thinks he's uh, going to work on this certain day, and that he's going to get a big promotion to uh, vice president uh, of the company um, mm. by Donald Sutherland, and that he will be VP going into this big takeover and this, well, this merger with another company. Uh, so he goes into work, kind of skipping into work, and then quickly kind of finds out about all these rumours uh, that are circulating that he's actually being passed over and that they've actually gone outside. At the same time, uh, he's talking to one of the uh, manufacturing plants in Malaysia who are telling him 
that this new driver, the CD-ROM, it has an issue with it. So he's got that to deal with, and he's got the fact that he's not being made the VP. To add into that, the new VP that is being brought in is played by uh, Gary Moore, who plays a character called Meredith Johnson, who used to work with uh, Michael Douglas' character years ago, and they had a, um, a romantic relationship, we'll say. So he gets passed over, she knows that he's getting passed over, but sort of says to him, look, we need to discuss what's going on with this drive thing. Um, so why don't you come up to my um, office at the end of the night, we'll have a bottle of wine and we'll, we'll go over it. She goes up and then she basically tries to fuck it. Yeah. Uh, and at the start of it, he's kind of saying, you know, no, no, I don't want to do this. I'm happily married. No, 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 no. Then kind of starts to get into it a little bit, then catches a reflection of himself and realises, um, you know, actually, shit, no, I am happily married. I don't want to do this. Um, so it kind of says, no, I'm not doing this, and, and, and goes off. This fucking flips her shit, and she basically says that she's going to destroy him. The next morning, he comes into work thinking, you know, it's all going to blow over and gets approached by the HR guy who says, look, I know this has happened and it's, you know, she's filing a suit of sexual harassment against you. And he starts saying, no, it's it's the other way around. And they're all like, hang on a minute, this woman sexually harassed you. This yeah. very attractive woman sexually harassed you. And so you've got that is one part of the uh, the thrust of it uh, of um, you know can you know can that happen the other way around and you know that kind of reversal of sexual politics office play politics and stuff like that uh, and you've got all that um, and that that plays out quite well and it works quite well uh, and you've also got the fact that she's trying to get him blamed for the drivers that are going wrong and he's trying to work it all out. But then in the middle of it, all of this that's happening, as he's trying to prove his innocence, that it was her who sexually harassed him, and he works out a way to do it, he goes to a hotel room where uh, his boss, Donald Sutherland, staying, and all the people for the other tech company that they're going to be merging with are staying, and goes to one of the guys' rooms because they're trialling this new bit of virtual reality tech, which essentially is a library where all a company's data is stored and you put on a virtual reality set and you enter this library and you can access all this data mm. as if it's just in a library. And he goes into this and he's like going around this as uh, they're trying to delete all these files and he's trying to transfer these files. And it's a virtual reality thing. And I completely forgot that this bit existed within this film. And it yeah. is so incongruous to everything else that is happening within the film and it feels so out of place and so weird that I, I, I was kind of a take of that by it and going, this, this, this belongs, this is a totally different movie that's going on now. It's like two different films are existing at the same time and have a very similar storyline, but they, they both could exist on their own, but they don't, they exist together. And for about 40 minutes, the sexual harassment thing has nothing to do with the rest of the film. And it's yeah. just a really kind of interesting curiosity about the film, um, which, you know, it, it has dated horribly uh, in terms of the tech bit. But it's kind of, you look back on it and you go, but then again, it's 
it's not dated because it's very of its time. It is set at that time. And so when you're looking back on it, you know, it doesn't feel dated because that was the technology that was available at the time. And that was what, you know, these tech companies thought that was going to happen at the time. They didn't know that it, that it wasn't actually going to end up being a virtual reality set. And it still might go down that route. We don't know. But it it just was a bit weird and it kind of throws you off that for a good sort of 10 minutes there's this virtual reality scene in the middle of what is supposed to be a sexual <laughs> politics thriller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's over two hours long. It doesn't need to be over two hours long. Um, but it, it's a perfectly entertaining movie. Uh, it kept me entertained throughout. Um, Michael Douglas plays that character very well. Uh, and Demi Moore plays that um quite sort of sexually aggressive character quite well as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed revisiting Disclosure. Um, and what I'd say, people, is, um, it, 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 it's, it's actually kind of worth a revisit. So, yeah, so if you're ever completely stuck of something to watch, and let's say you've got Lottie on your knee and Donna's going to bed and anything like that, you think, I need something that I can watch, but I can maybe watch in a couple of bits. It's not a terrible idea to look at. Those are the kinds of films I look for these days, man. Films I can comfortably watch in a couple of bits. So Disclosure, that's on the list. Yeah, it is. It's a lot more fun than I think it was ever intended to be. Nice. Cool. Uh, Right, so that's uh, our one old, one new. uh, And we're going to give you a trailer for the uh, opening to our John Milius Marathon. Uh, which is his debut 1973 film, Dillinger. All right, everybody, point right where you are. This is a robbery. Get in there. Don't nobody get nervous. You ain't got nothing to fear. You're being robbed by the John Dillinger gang. That's the best there is. This could be one of the big moments in your life. Don't make it your last. It was a war. And like in any war, there were legends, glorifying heroes and villains alike. But somehow, the most glorified of all was the nation's deadliest public enemy. What do you think of this jail? Ain't no jail to hold me. It's an exercise in futility. Warren Oates, as the man whose treacherous cunning baffled every law officer in the Midwest. Open up, friend. That ain't real. You won't lose the top of your head back now. Academy Award winner Ben Johnson as Melvin Purvis, the FBI bloodhound on his trail. I intend to smoke one of these over each of those men's dead bodies. Academy Award winner Cloris Leachman as the mysterious Lady in Red. and Michelle Phillips as Billy Frechette, the girl who was ready to share every moment with Dillinger, except his last. You don't know who the hell I am, do you? Look, pal, you can be whoever you want. As far as I'm concerned, you're Douglas Fairbanks. Who? Douglas Fairbanks. Wrong! I'm John Dillinger! You know, all my life I want to be a bank robber. Now this happened, I guess. I- okay, you had a trailer for Dillinger. Um, 
which is uh, surprisingly uh, a story uh, about uh, John Dillinger and uh, his various associates. Uh, Dillinger is played by Warren Oates. Uh, You've also got Harry Dean Stanton in there, um, Marathon stalwart Jeffrey Lewis, who seems to crop up in a few of these that we do, uh, Ben Johnson, Richard Dreyfus, uh, and a whole lot of other familiar kind of 70s um, uh, kind of, well, era actors that, that are cropped up in other bits. Um, made kind of off the back of the success of um, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, Ian, what did you think of Dillinger? Dillinger is public enemies with uglier people. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know it's based, it, uh, both films are based on real life, but I don't know. It just... I didn't really know about this film before we did this marathon, and it basically is public enemies. The public enemies has essentially... There are lots of scenes, like I say, it's based on, they're both based on the same person, so it's going to follow the same narrative, but watching it back, having watched Public Enemies, um, it is it is incredible how alike the two films are, not just the two stories, but the two films are. Yeah, I mean, like the, I suppose the key difference, really, is that... Public Enemies, Marion Cotillard seems way more into him from the off. And I think yeah. that a criticism of Dillinger is that she basically goes from it all essentially being a little bit rapey to yeah. her suddenly being absolutely head over heels in love with him. Yeah, and you know that is yeah, yeah, there is there is there is that and I think part of that is, you know, what was it Sam Neill says in Milius the documentary? He that 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 doesn't he doesn't write films for women, he doesn't write films for pussies, he writes films for men. Oh Sam Shepherd says that, doesn't he? Is it Sam Shepherd that says that, yeah. Um and it it, 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 it nothing kind of depicts that more than this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's um yeah, I mean that's it, and like there's a moment towards the end where he's kind of driving up to his dad's ha uh, parents' house and she's there and he just kind of drives off and then you don't see her again for the rest of the film and there's just a title card at the end saying mm -hmm. she went on tour with his dad and then she died penniless yeah. Yeah. on a reservation in 61 or something. You know? yeah. It's just, really? Okay. Um, whereas like, <laughs> with Public Enemies, I mean, like, she's a far stronger far like more independently willed character yeah you know and, and i think that that section definitely works better um uh, even though i mean I'm, i mean you know melvin purvis he's kind of more of a badass in this he's the more it, it, it's it's a more milius version of the christian bale character in public enemy yeah you know? it is it, uh, this the, you get the feeling that the with with Milius, there's always a character that you kind of get the idea that that he thinks is him, and that Melvin Purvis character is the kind of character where you think Milius kind of he thinks that's what I'd be like if I was Melvin Purvis, not what Melvin Purvis would kind of probably actually like. Yeah, no, I mean, they, like Public Enemies kind of feels like with it, me and man and whatnot that it was like exhaustively researched. Yeah. Whereas this does feel like Milius doing it, you know. Yeah, which, which is what Milius does. He takes a story 
and he, he makes it a John Milius version of said story. Although why not? It, it, you know, the fact that he looks so much like Dillinger uh, helps. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, yeah, no, totally. That's that's a good point. I mean, he's, I don't, he's just completely unapologetic. I mean, I really like the opening. Yeah, and it kind of like it sets its stall right there. Mm. You know, um, it's um, I, 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 it, the film knows what it's doing all the way through, and this is even though it's Milius's first feature film. It's him, yeah, all the way through. You know, it's all Milius, and even like even though the kind of the montagey sequences I think are interesting, and they they feel actually quite you know quite seventies kind of new American cinema in the way that they are just kind of like black and white photos mixed with footage that looks like they come from other films, and like the way the he- newspaper headlines. It, which kind of you know feels like it's even be it, it could even be used now the way it kind of like scrolls across them and it's like bang 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 like the parts of the headlines like flashing up on the screen yeah you know it, it's it, I don't know it, there's there's a real sense of the modern to the montage sequences uh, whereas the rest of it feels quite old school and in moments charmingly so but then it, but then you know there's Overall, there's not an awful lot of charm to this film. No, I mean, it, it is strange from what we're saying about Bowie It just looks, and actually, um, Milius' next movie after after this was actually, that he wrote, was actually a TV movie about Melvin Purvis called Melvin Purvis G-Man. Yes, I never knew that. Yeah, that, that was the movie, it, it, it was the next thing he wrote. Was, was that, which is, you know, kind of makes sense. He does seem to like that character a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, a purpose is the whole thing about the cigar, like when he um he, he goes into the house and he um he kills the guy and then he, he walks out and he's just like, you know, like, get me a cigar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then, like, he, he seems a little bit more into the fame kind of thing, whereas, yeah. like... um. The, the the Bale character is quite is actually fairly reserved in more of a Boy Scout. Yeah. You know, whereas here, I mean, he is, you know, it, 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 I he he just he seems like a bit of a motherfucker as well. Like the the, the scene in the restaurant, which <laughs> I love as well. The fact he's just getting under Dillinger's skin. That's so it. Much. Yeah. And, and when Dillinger rings him to kind of. Because Dillinger thinks this this will fucking catch him off guard when he rings me, and, and he ends up winding Dillinger up more than more than Dillinger's winding him up. And yeah, the, the way he's just like, you know, hey kids, you know, you can reverse the charges. <laughs> it's such a good way to end that conversation. It's 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 I mean, it's it's brilliant. I kind of I do wish there was more of that. In, in in this film, but those those moments between them are absolute fucking gold. Like that the scene in the restaurant, you think that Purvis is going to be the one who's going to be bothered by the whole thing, and that you know it's it you know it's almost Dillinger's going to be playing up this this thing, and it, you know he just orders the mad the maximum of, uh, of champagne, and you know the, the, the way Dillinger just like he kicks storms off like a petulant child. It's that's fantastic. Yeah, that is brilliant. Ben Johnson plays it so well. Oh no, he does. He's he's great. And I mean, Warren Oates is fantastic as well. It's I mean, 
actually, he gets good performances out of pretty much everyone. Yeah. I mean, the, the 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 girl who plays Billy is the least convincing French Native <laughs> American hybrid woman you've ever seen in your life. But she's um, so incredibly seventies um, American movies, though. Yeah, no, she totally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just that feels slightly anachronistic, I must say. But, yeah. um, but was, then, I mean, you, oh, I, actually, so, I, I was about to say. Uh, she was definitely uh, found on the arm of somebody at a party. Um, and I've just had a look. Uh, she was married to uh, Dennis Hopper for eight days. <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, just like the moment they started, stopped fucking and actually talking. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> you get the feeling that, that Hopper sobered up for it, 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 enough in the 70s and went, we did what? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's good. But I mean, I mean, Richard Dreyfuss as well. Uh, you know, early performance for yeah. him. Uh, but you know, fant- fantastic. You know, I, it's like that scene, uh, like where they're by the lake, and then Dylan just just like, you know, I want I want to have a word with you down here. <laughs> you just know, like, you know him what's in the lake. Well, yeah. Sorry? You know it's coming as well. You know he's basically going to beat the shit out. And you've just got Dillinger just shouting, you can't kill me, I'm, I'm invincible, I'm immortal, at him. And it's it's, yeah. it's wonderful, the kind of the play, that kind of absolute arrogance and confidence so, so well. Um, it, it, like you said, look, the film does start magnificently with the, the kind of point of view um, robbing where you're the, you're the teller. And the fact that that happens a couple of times works out really well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I love the um, when he when he says, you know, that, um, I, I think it's another sequence actually where um, they're just like, you know, don't worry about your money. It's insured. This is, you know, it's the bank's money we're after. You know, after this, you'll have stories you'll be able to yeah, tell he, he for, say it for the rest times. of your lifetime. He says it both times. He says it both oh. times in the robbery, and he says it in the the rest of the bar that he's in, where he gets on yeah. the table, then just throws it back in the air. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, that, that stuff's, I mean, that stuff's fantastic. And I mean, I I, I think, uh, Ben Johnson, the actor, is he? Who played Moen Purvis. Oh, no, sorry, Dillinger. Sorry, oh, no. No, was yeah. wasn't he? Sorry, sorry, yes. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like his... I, 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 his kind of fame-hungry kind of playful kind of thing... I, I, I think they I, I think they work quite that quite well. I mean, frankly, I mean, I think one thing that's definitely better than Public Enemies is I think Warren Oates is more suited to this character than Johnny Depp is. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Johnny Depp's got the kind of the charm and the kind of the swagger kind of thing, but I I I, I like the the the, ang- the kind of the anger that's in this Dillinger as well as the playfulness. Mm. And I, I don't think Johnny Depp um, uh, uh, conveys that quite as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I had a I had a good time watching this man. And I mean, the um, the kind of like the third act where everything goes to shit. I liked how it took the time to uh, to to really you know show the end of each of these characters. I mean, like Harry Dean Stanton as well. Like, he's got a little catchphrase where it's uh, what is it he says like. It's like nothing's going right for me today. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's 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 great. I mean, it, it is amazing that Harry Dean Stanton. I mean, this film is you know forty-one years old. Harry Dean Stanton looks really old then, 
And he was, yeah. he was in his mid-40s then. Yeah. You know, he, the guy's, you know, he, he's 87 and he's still acting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even though, like, it's just, you see him popping up in, like, The Last Stand and just that one scene in Avengers where it's just, you got to wonder whether Joss Whedon was just like, fuck it. I can get, you know, I, I, I'm doing this film. I can get Harry Dean Stanton in for a scene just because I want to spend a day with Harry Dean Stanton. It is, I saw a great Harry Dean Stanton quote recently um, where they're talking to him and he's, you know, he's 87 and he's, he's saying, um, right now um, I only eat uh, so I can stay alive and I only stay alive so I can smoke. <laughs> and he's just that's great doing, that's great I don't know how <laughs> whether or not he, that's tongue in cheek or whether or not that that's just just, just how he feels now but yeah. he's like you know I have lived life to the absolute max I've enjoyed life if I die tomorrow I die a happy happy man and I'm going to keep working until I go and it's that's like good, you know what fuck it you're 87 years old and you're still you know He's, you know, yes, he's barely in stuff like the Avengers and the Last Stand, but he's still there, you know, and he's still cropping up in movies, and it's like it's still nice to see him every now and again, and it will be, you know, when he shifts this the Mortal Coil, it will be like the fucking the passing of an absolute legend. I mean, like Twitter will go mad, and rightly so because because he's he is so well regarded and just you know. You look back over his career. It, it's amazing that we're watching a film that's 41 years old. And you're looking at it going, there's Harry Dean Stanton. And, you know, we covered, you know, last year, The Last Stand, and we were both like, Harry Dean Stanton, yes. It's yeah. nice whenever you see him in a movie. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, good, good on him for it. And um, I think that's a nice way to end it. Yeah, it is. Um, it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the video. Um, it loses its way, you know, in the middle uh, a little bit where it starts to, it, it doesn't quite have the momentum of the beginning and it doesn't quite have the uh, the energy of the end, but it's a fucking solid debut movie. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, next week we have... Definitely not shit. Definitely not shit, definitely not shit. Next week we have, is it The Wind and the Lion we're doing? Do we decide we're doing that? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yes, we'll do that. Oh, cool. Sean, Sean Connery, nice. Um, cool. Uh, so, yeah, so Twitter questions. Uh, yeah, uh, have you got on there? Oh, do you want me to get Twitter? I, I, I've, sorry, got, yeah. I've got me if you want. Now I've got um, uh, Thomas DJ, not so Tom DJ. Uh, what two cinematic real life uh, personages would you force into a death match? Real life cinematic personages. Reese Witherspoon and The Rock. <laughs> Why? Because you you hit The Rock and you you'd like to get see him getting beat up by a girl. That jaw's gonna be able to take a beating. That, sentence around. that jaw's gonna take a beating, dude. Uh, um, mine would be. Uh, oh, I don't know. Gina Carano and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, that'd be sexy as fuck. Uh, mine would be uh, Michael Sarah and uh, Sylvester Stallone. Just I'd like to see um, Sylvester Stallone beat the shit out of Michael Sarah. Yeah, that would be entertaining. That would be I, 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 that, that 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 Expendables Four. 
just Michael Sarah just getting the shit beaten out of him for two hours by uh Sloan. I've done all of them, all the expendables. That 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 you can hear in the background is, is, is my dinner kind of bubbling away and it's getting basted. Um Okay, okay, that's hurry up. No, it's not it's not really fucking the forty odd minutes. Um <laughs> Uh, Chris Pine uh, at Cinematronics. Uh, what film director do you think should have a documentary uh, made about them? What, like current filmmaker? Uh, any filmmaker, I think, yeah. I think he's saying, yeah. Alright, so one that hasn't already had a documentary made about them. Yeah, um, I mean, the obvious ones are people like um, Scorsese and people like that, but I'm going to go for Walter Hill just because I think that. Uh, Walter Hill, and we've said, we've said, you know, we've said before on the, the podcast, you know, I were both very big Walter Hill fans, uh, he's one of my favourite directors, but I think he just deserves to have a little bit more recognition for uh, the influence he's had on uh, cinema. That's fair. I mean, especially, I don't know, especially the like, type of cinema that, that, that we kind of watch. No, totally. No, that's, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, like maybe Friedkin. Like a good comprehensive documentary yeah. about Friedkin would be good. He's an interesting um, character as he, in himself, certainly. Yeah, straight up. I mean, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Because I mean, like you could say, like I don't know, Kubrick's already got a life in pictures and yeah. like shitloads of documentaries. I mean, you know, um, out current filmmakers, I'd say probably Fincher, to be honest, because I'd like to get inside that guy's head. Um, yeah. It'd probably be a kind of slightly depressing place to be, actually, but that would be interesting. Yeah, you can yeah, it, it already miserable. Yeah, no, totally. And it, I, I, I like Malik or something as well, you know, just to get like a bit of a personal insight into him. I mean, like the fact that Malik, one of his favourite films of all time, apparently, is Anchorman or something. You know, it's just like that, that, that's interesting to me. Um, yeah. Or like Paul Thomas Anderson or something, you know. I mean, there's a lot of recent filmmakers I'd like to. Yeah, like, you know, there's, yeah, there are. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of quite interesting kind of characters uh, out there, certainly. Yeah. Uh, next one is from Cookie Man, uh, Cookie Man 1970. So oh, cool. we've had web directing Spider-Man. Can you think of any other appropriately named directors and actors for other films? Oh, fuck me. Uh, um, I've got one. Go on. Eric Banner playing Bruce Banner. What? Eric Banner in, what's it, uh, Hulk. Oh, because it actually happened. Yeah. yeah, okay. I was thinking of ones that were like made up and I was just thinking, well, that actually happened. That actually yeah, happened, yeah. So that's, 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 a, that's a perfect... Yeah, that, 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 that is the question. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, oh, come on, man. That's like a fucking brain teaser. It, it, isn't it? It's a fucking twist. That, that, there's like there's actual answers to that, and he's asking them. Yeah. Nah, man. Move on. So, sorry, George. I my brain is not into. Um, Tom uh, at Very Cinematic, uh, which we we kind of covered this, but we can cover it again a little bit uh, quickly now. Um, which is serious question. Why are people so precious about the Raimi Spider-Man films? At least two of them are fine at best. Um. <clears throat> I, I think because a lot of people on Twitter, you know, and who are loud on Twitter were of that age when the when the Raimi Spider-Man films came out. I don't know how old Tom is, but I mean, personally, when the first one came out, what, 2001? You wouldn't, yeah. 
Yeah, I was, I you know, I was 17. So if you say that like 24 year olds now would have been 12. Yeah. Then you know, I could see a lot of people on Twitter being around like mid 20s, early 20s. You know, who would have been a good age to have watched the the first Spider-Man? And and we'll, so yeah, they... we'll probably hold that nostalgia, that precious nostalgia yeah. thing, kind of a little bit, a little bit heavier than, than maybe you know. I mean, I, I was God, what I'd have been, I'd have been twenty when it came out. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I I I I don't mind the first one. I quite enjoy the second one. The third one wasn't great. Um, I, I I I don't hold them up as being great um, early entries into you know what has now become this wave of um, you know that was like if you're gonna go in phases like Marvel do that was kind of like phase one of the rebirth of the comic book movie uh, was sort of Spider-Man and the uh, the first sort of wave of X-Men movies and then you know we're in maybe phase three or phase four now I would say um, yeah sure. I wasn't as into. I was going through my, um, you know, there was the explosion of Asian cinema and things like that, and I was more going down that kind of more kind of art house douchebaggy roots at the time. So I, I don't hold them preciously myself, to be honest. And I, I kind of agree. I think that there's a lot of a lot of sort of nostalgia, and I think a lot of it is to do with Raimi himself as well, is that people, you know, hold them higher up because they're Raimi movies rather than because they're great movies. Hello? Oh. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, yeah, that's right, I've just got a problem thinking of online. It's gone now, yeah, cool, right. Um, so, yeah. Are we? I think we're done. I think that's the last of our questions, is it? Am I right? Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you very much for the questions. It was great having sort of more than just the, the one there. So thank you very much to everyone who. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was good. To actually, that. Yeah. Um, uh, Thomas DJ, uh, who, who responded um, sort of a few days ago with that question. Um, so yeah, like we, we always say with questions, don't wait until we fucking ask. Just fucking throw them at us, you know, uh, at any point during the week. We do save them. And it is, it is kind of fun to answer them. It's, it's, it's good to kind of have ones that kind of throw you every now and again. Um, so, yeah, that was episode 62. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, usual places to contact us are at DudeFoz, at Ian Loring, uh, at Dude and the Monkey, or uh, DudeandMonkey at gmail.com. Uh, Ian, anything else to add? Not Transcendence next week, is it? Uh, yes, uh, which I'm looking forward to because it's um, it's seems like a lot of people are also going to get snippy about that. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going into it. But then again, I've, I've seen a few people um, sort of tweeting that have actually seen it. They're actually going, don't know what the problem is. Um, I'll say I'm worried. I'm, I'm setting expectations too low, is what I'll say. Um, but we'll discuss that later because I have a... There's a talking point to it um, that, that we'll get into next week um, but yeah uh, and also uh, one of the next of our uh, John Milius marathon uh, we'll try and come up with a, a, a witty and funny name uh, for it before then uh, but thank you very much for listening cheers guys Good night.